Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Guys, this is how committed I am to you. I am recording this at nearly midnight and I'm so tired, but this is how much I love you all. It was uh, Liam's 19th birthday today and so I worked all day, had people over, family over for dinner and, you know, mum duties first, but I love you guys so much. I'm here recording at midnight and I'm really tired, but I, I could not go to sleep without recording so that you guys could have this podcast episode on our you know usual Friday. So here we go. Very important topic, guys. I want to speak. I think I'll do this over two weeks as well, but super, super, super important peer pressure. How do we protect our kids from peer pressure? And it is not a guessing game. That's one thing I want to let you know. It is not a guessing game where you just hope to heck that your kids don't bow down to peer pressure. And it's also nothing to do, what's really got not much to do with their personality. I remember when I was a child, my mum used to say to me, oh, your sister's going to be okay in high school, but I worry a little bit about you, Renee, with peer pressure. And I used to say to her, because as a kid, that then worried me. If my mum's worried, then I'm going to be worried. And I remember saying, why would you be worried? She goes, oh, I don't know. I just see that you sometimes get influenced. But you know what? She didn't have to worry because of all the things I'm going to teach you today that my mum was actually really great at with us. Uh, I did not succumb for a second to peer pressure, complete opposite. So it really has not got anything to do with personality. So if you look at your kid and go, oh my gosh, they are easily influenced. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. It is up to us. And so I want to share two things today, two ways, um, and then we'll do more next week of how we can peer pressure proof your child. Do you like that? Peer pressure proof. So most of us do worry at some stage that our kids are going to be influenced, okay? Particularly once they hit teenage years, because that's what we're told. That's what we hear. And, you know, we're told by people, oh, um, you wait till those teenage years. And I guess we just hold on and cross our fingers and hope that they don't, you know, quote, go off the rails, so to speak, as if we've got no control. But we do have control over this. And Look, sometimes, yes, you will see families and parents who are great parents who do all the right things and our teens still can make poor choices. Okay, this does happen. So I'm not saying that this is a no, you know, guarantee money back, money back guarantee. You know, you know, they do those ads anyway. I'm not saying that this is like 100% um, a, a ways to proof your child from peer pressure, but it's pretty darn strong. Okay. But there is an element where when our kids become young adults, they do have to make their own choices, but we have got an awful lot to do with it. So, um, I just wanted to make a couple of observations first, which have helped to form my belief system around peer pressure. Uh, and the first is this, And I have said this before and I will say it again. If you parent them well when they are little, you do not need to fear their teenage years. 
I hope that brings you great hope. Parent them well when they're three, four, five, and you will reap that when they're 13, 14, 15. Okay, so if you're parenting well, next time somebody tells you, oh, you just wait until they're a teenager, just smile and keep on walking. And the second observation I want to make is peer pressure does not begin in their teenage years, okay? Peer pressure starts when they're really young. Believe me, as a teacher, when I say that four and five-year-olds can peer pressure their friends into doing things, any teacher will tell you that. So if peer pressure uh, begins when they're young, then peer pressure proofing them also starts when they're young. So I'm going to give you two things that you can do right now to help peer pressure proof your child. Now, the first one, I have spoken about this in the last couple of uh, podcasts, so I want to go into it a little bit more. But the first thing is we need to instill convictions in our child, okay? Because an absence of conviction will leave them vulnerable and open to peer pressure, When a child has no inner conviction about something, this leaves them completely vulnerable to being swayed by their peers. So I did two podcasts the last few weeks on how to raise kids with conviction. So definitely go back and listen to that. But this is why I say over and over and over to train and disciple your child's moral heart. If you do not, what you end up with is a robotic kind of child who behaves according to a list of rules you give them rather than behaving according to a set of values that's in their heart. Did you get that? This is why we want to put conviction in them and not just give them a list of do's and don'ts because if you just give them a list of do's and don'ts, they're going to be robotic and they're going to behave according to that. But if you instill conviction, then they're going to act out of those values and those convictions. And that is what we want. So how do we disciple their moral heart? Like I said, for more detail, go back to the last few episodes. But I did want to still park on this a little bit more here. We all, and I've told you this again, but this is why I say over and over, because there's a few things in parenting that I just think are so important. And this is one of them. Always teach them the why behind the what. That's how you put conviction in a child instead of them just obeying a list of rules. Okay, so when you teach them, and I'm going to give you an example to spell this out, but when you give them the why behind the what, what it does is it gives them the moral reason for why you want them to behave a certain way. So it's not just them doing it because mum and dad say it becomes a moral conviction in their heart, a set of values, and that will guide their behavior rather than them just relying on, oh, mum and dad told me this, so I better do it. So what happens is their moral heart will guide them when you're not there to tell them. And that's what you want, because as they get older, you're going to be there less and less. And so you have to ensure that there's another reason, um, something else that that is going to shape their behavior when you're not there. And that's going to be their moral heart that we've got to instill in them. Let me give you an example. Imagine if your neighbor had this beautiful 
fruit tree. Let's say it's a beautiful nectarine fruit tree. Wouldn't last long here in Queensland because the bats eat it. But your neighbor has this beautiful fruit tree with this beautiful fruit growing on it. It's really well developed fruit tree and it's partly hanging over your fence. Now you could say to your child, you are not to pick the fruit from that tree. Okay. And that's all you tell them. Just mum and dad have told you, do not pick the nectarine fruit. Now, your friend's child comes over. Sorry, your friend's child. Other way around. See, I'm tired. Sorry, guys. Your child's friend comes over and they're playing in the backyard and your child's friend sees that fruit and they're hungry and they're like, my gosh, that looks amazing. So they suggest, hey, let's pick one of those fruit. Let's, you know, or maybe they don't even say it. Maybe they just go over and they're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have some of this fruit. Now, your child knows that you have told them not to do it, so they probably would look around dubiously. Is mum and dad watching me? Are they looking at me through the window? Um, and they remember mum and dad told me no, I'm not allowed to, so they'd probably hesitate. Now, what if the other child is really persuasive and they keep on and on and on? That nectarine looks so yummy. And they're both feeling really hungry. So the friend just goes over and picks one and then just, you know, it looks so delicious and probably just, you know, makes comments to your child about, oh, you should have one. This is really yummy and keeps egging them on until your child probably will decide, well, what's the harm? It's just one nectarine. Mum's not looking. I'll go pick it. And they go and eat it. Now, this child also, by the way, will most likely not feel guilty. Okay they got away with it. No one will see because no one's taught their moral heart. Okay. So even, uh, doing something deceptive, I get, oh my gosh, a lot of people will tell me that their teenager is deceptive. And then they look at me like blind Freddy, like I've got no idea how my teenager is so deceptive. I'm telling you right now, your child would have been deceptive when they were younger. They don't all of a sudden become deceptive when they're a teenager. So I'm sorry, but if you tell me your teenager is deceptive, but you have no idea why, then you, you did not, you had, you were blind to it when they were a kid. Cause I'm telling you they would have been. So this kind of a child wouldn't really care, wouldn't really care that they've lied, they got away with it, won't really, you know, because you haven't instilled into their moral heart. That's one option. That's what not to do. Instead, let's look at what you should have done. Taught the why behind the what. So when you said to your child, do not pick the fruit from our neighbor's nectarine tree, even though it's hanging in our yard, you don't stop there. You tell them why we don't pick the fruit. You go, bud, we don't pick that fruit because this is not our tree. This is our neighbor's tree. So the fruit is not ours to take. Now, if the neighbor said to us, please feel free to pick any of the fruit that hangs over or that falls on the ground on your side of the fence, please feel free to take it. That would be a different story. But our neighbor hasn't said that to us. So if we take the fruit from their tree, that would be stealing and we don't steal from other people. Can you see the complete difference between that, between you still gave them a direction, you still told them we're not picking the fruit, but you gave them the reason why. Doing that instills a value in them. It teaches their moral heart. That is a really important difference. So what happens when their friend comes and says the same thing, let's pick some fruit, your child will have a much less chance of being persuaded 
by the peer pressure because they've got a moral reason and that moral reason has built a value in their heart and that value becomes an anchor and they're far more likely to resist because they know taking that fruit is not just because mum said so, it's because that would be stealing from my neighbor. And if you've got a child that you've done that with everything with them and you've taught them the why behind the what, um, then that would make sense to them. And in their heart, because you've been training their moral heart, they'd be like, well, I don't want to be someone that steals, so I'm not going to take the fruit from that tree. And I'm telling you right now that if that had happened with my kids, my kids would come and tell me afterwards as well. They would have come and said, so-and-so mom wanted me to take the fruit, but I didn't. And they did take the fruit and, you know, or whatever. And, and they've got also a much greater chance of actually telling you about it. Okay. So that's the first way to help peer pressure proof your child is to instill conviction. Okay. And a huge way you can do that is by teaching them the why behind the what. So they've got a set of values to go by training their moral heart. The second way to peer pressure proof your fam, your child is you, your family. This is huge. The stronger the inside influence of your family the weaker the outside influences of peer pressure. Okay, let me say that again. Guys, you've got so much power in your hands here. The stronger your family is, the stronger the inside influence of your family, the weaker the outside influence of peer pressure. So peer pressure on your child will only be as strong as your family identity is weak. Let me say that again, because that's a hard one to wrap your head around. Peer pressure on your child will only be as strong as what your family identity is weak. So in other words, the weaker your family identity, the, the, the more chance that they have to succumb to peer pressure. But on the other hand, the stronger your family is, the less likely that they will um, succumb to the outward influence of peer pressure. So this is all about building loyalty within your family because the stronger the loyalty between you as a family, the more they're going to choose you and your other children or their siblings as part of their inner circle over their friends. And that's what you want. You want your kids to grow up picking your family as their inner circle over their friends. So children who receive love and acceptance from a close-knit family will look to these relationships before they look to their friendships. So you are always going to be the greater influence. Now, when they get a little bit older, they might start looking to friends more, but that's more like they'll want to look to their friends to spend time with or to talk to. Um, But ultimately, they're still not going to look to them to set their values. If they love the family that they're in, they're going to want to reflect the values of your family. So when children love and feel close to their family and there's relational harmony between you, they also tend to choose friends from families with similar values. And I've watched my kids do that. I've always been quite amazed at that. It's like, oh, my kids are good at picking good friends. Like my kids have never picked friends 
close friends, even at their school that is not a Christian school, it is a secular school. They've never picked their close friends to be people that are different in values. I've always marveled at that. Like, oh my gosh, my kids really are quite wise at picking their close friends. But that's because when there's relational harmony within their family, um, they will want to emulate that and they will gravitate towards other kids that are from families with similar values. But if instead they're in a family where there's no closeness, no safety, no loyalty, where they don't feel loved and they don't feel accepted, then they're going to reject their family and they'll gravitate to their peers and they'll gravitate to anyone. They won't have a moral compass of who to gravitate to. And with no values to anchor them, they are susceptible to peer pressure. So guys, you are in control. You are in the driver's seat. How strong your family is, is totally up to you. That ball is in your court. And the stronger the sense of belonging within a family, the greater their loyalty will be to one another first. So therefore, how protected your child is from peer pressure is actually up to you. And that is a huge responsibility. You, mum and dad, set the tone and pass the values down to your children. So for the last couple minutes, let's talk about how do we do that? How do we have a strong family? How do we build a strong family? And um, there's obviously so many ways that you can do it, but I'll, I'll just give you a few really practical kind of tips. And some of these might be hard truths, but these are things that we need to hear. Um, So firstly, we have to know again, that building a strong family will take a lot of intention over a long period of time. I said this in the last few weeks about building inner conviction in your child and raising kids with conviction. It takes um, a lot of consistent work over a long period of time. And it's the same with you building a strong sense of family within your family unit. So um, there are so many ways we can do this, but a couple of the key ways would be you've actually got to be there for them and you've got to be there for each other. And I mean, actually spend time together. I remember being on a panel years ago and it frustrated the kajivis out of me. It was um, a couple of pastors, female pastors being asked questions about our family. And my kids were very little at the time. And I remember this pastor saying, oh, it's quantity over quality. Um, And she was going on and on about how busy she was. And she was um, a full-time pastor, but it was all about quantity, quality over quantity. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to disagree with her on this panel? But I couldn't disagree more. It is about uh, quantity. Our kids need us to be there a lot of the time. That's really important. So we have to make sacrifices in order to be the main moral influence on our children. Otherwise, someone else will fill that void and that vacuum. And this might mean turning down a job opportunity or turning down a potential career move, saying no to the things that will take us away from our family. So I want you to ask yourself honestly, how much time do I spend with my family And how much time are they being influenced by other sources? And when I say other sources, I'm talking about anything other than you. Obviously, school is one of those. Um, Childcare, um, babysitters, how much time are they spending with other friends? What about media, TV, internet? And 
And do these other influencers that I let them spend time with, do they share the same values as us? In other words, is my child spending more time with other people and other influencers that have differing values to our family values? Because if you, if that's the case, if your answer to that is yes, then you are definitely compromising um, your ability to create a strong family. Because how can you create a strong family if you're not there? So that's a real challenge. And I know for Cameron and I, when the kids were particularly younger, Cameron was very busy with ministry, but there were certain things that we all were, and I was too, but we chose, number one, we chose for me not to work. Number two, we chose not to put the kids in childcare. I stayed home with them. Number three, Cameron would always be home for dinner always. And he always would spend the evening as much as he could with them. Um, And he did travel quite a bit. So I was the consistent one in their life. So you've got to work out what that looks like for you guys. Another way to build a strong family unit is um, to make sure that spending time with one another is not optional. It is a given. And this is um, even more important as they get older and they've got other things. Like my kid's the two older ones have got cars. All of them are busy. In the Bennett household, we are here for each other and it's expected and it always was expected and it always will be. So even when they were younger, you know, if there was a party on or something that they wanted to go to, if that interfered with a family commitment, we would say, no, family comes first. So an example, even right now, fresh is today was Liam's birthday. And our family knows, the kids know, Cameron knows, I know, never to schedule something on the night of one of our birthdays because we always have a family dinner together. Now, how do they know that? Simple. We've verbalized it over the years. In this family, we're here for one another. Um, There were one or two times that someone has, um, you know, scheduled something else on. And so I'm really adamant on this. Uh, and Cameron as well, but we're like, nope, cancel it. We rock up for each other. I remember on George's 21st birthday, um, Cameron had to do a quick fly in, fly out to Sydney. That was just earlier this year. Now at the time when he did that, cause we were like, absolutely no, if it was going to take all day, like we said to the people in Sydney that wanted him, he's got to fly in first thing and he's got to be back home here by like two o'clock. Because I, by the way, thought that Georgia was working all day in in her office where she works. And it turned out that she was not working that day. And it also, it was a Thursday, so it was academy day for me. And we were like, oh, shivers. So on the day she turned 21, when we thought she was in the office and I was going to work and Cameron was flying to Sydney, it turned out that she was home and she kind of looked at me like, who am I going to spend my birthday with? Now, I did have the luxury because I'm the boss of Academy and I've never done this, guys. I've never had a sick day from Academy the whole six years I've run it. I was like, you know what? I uh, I rang up Shani and I'm like, can you run today? I'm going to come, but I'll be late. And so I took Georgia out for breakfast and, you know, it's just family is first and we're adamant. So be clear in your family on what is and isn't optional. Um And the family won't mind this, by the way, if you've created a good, safe environment that everyone wants to be a part of. My kids never, ever, ever grumble. They just know that today's Liam's birthday. No one schedule anything. We're all coming for his birthday. Um, Dads play a big role here too. 
mums, play this little bit to, to your husband. When dads especially are excited about being part of the family, it makes everyone excited. Like it's one thing for mum to be excited, right? Everyone expects mum to be excited about being with the family. Um, but if dad's not excited, it's kind of like a bit of a letdown. But if dad is excited and he verbalizes, Cameron would always, and to this day, still says things like, I love our family. I'm so proud of you guys. I love being with you guys. Like he says stuff like that. Even this morning, Liam had to leave for work at like uh, seven o'clock. He has to be gone by like quarter past seven. He's got a long drive to Burley. I know, hashtag dreams. Um, but I said to him, well, bud, because you're working and we won't see you till tonight, um, let's go out for a quick coffee in the morning. Like, let's leave at seven. So it's just 20 minutes. And it, and I just thought it would be me because Cameron hates getting out of bed in the morning. But even Cameron, like, put on a T-shirt, put on some tracky pants. Like, I'm coming. Wait for me. Wait for me. And I love that. I just like, and it was just 20 minutes. But what that says to Liam, even though he's grown up and he's 19, is you're first. We love you. You, you know, and what human being does not want to belong to a family like that? So it's so important. Finally, on this one, build family memories. Okay. So what have I told you so far? I've said, uh, oh yeah, spend time, be there for one another, uh, make sure that it's not optional. And then finally build family memories. So we've got a joke in our family. This is one example Ever since the boys were about six or seven, every time I ask them, what birthday cake do you want? Like I give them the woman's weekly cookbook. I will cook you any of these cakes. Not a great cake maker, but anyway, um, do you know what they want? They want the Freddo Frog party ice cream cake, guys. I'm not talking about just the party ice cream cake. It has to have the Freddo Frog heads in it. They have wanted that. Only the boys, Georgia always wants a cake. Ever since they were about six, me, I'm silently cheering because I'm like, thank the Lord Jesus. I do not have to make a cake because I don't really like doing it. It makes my life easy. Now, Liam just turned 19. And yesterday I said to him, what cake do you want, bud? And I knew what he was going to say, but I asked anyway, mum, just please, Freddo Frog Party Ice Cream Cake. Now, it's become a joke and a tradition all at the same time, and we had a good laugh today. I said to the boys, I can imagine you guys, mum and dad, we're in heaven. You guys, you're going to be old men turning 90, and you are still going to celebrate with a Freddo Frog party ice cream cake. But do what you can to make family memories and keep making them no matter how old your kids get. So my sister and brother-in-law... Uh, they just bought a caravan and they've got three girls from 14 down to nine and their girls are delighted. And I love watching the pictures that they pop up on Instagram when they go on holidays in their caravan, because there are just so many memories that they're making. For us, we holiday in Noosa every year, even when we couldn't afford it. Obviously for us, by the way, that's like a two-hour drive, so it's not like mega expensive, but still, even when we couldn't afford it or finances are a bit tight, we're like, we we do this, we invest in this. And there's so many things we do that have become tradition. It's like, if we don't get a Noosa holiday every year, the kids are like, what the heck, where's our holiday? Um, but, you know, we spend all day at the beach and uh, most years our best friends come if they can. And we have 
Massimo Gelato nearly every night and we eat Betty's Burgers in the day and it's just what we do. And I really hope that when our kids get married that, I don't know, they can pay their own way, but we'll all still be holidaying together, hopefully. But anyway, (laughs) the kids, if they heard this, are probably like, yeah, maybe not. Anyway, so guys, um, that's been a half an hour today and I know these parenting podcasts have gotten a little bit longer, but um, I really want you to go back over that because like I said, peer pressure proofing your child is totally in our court and it's so doable. Um, and I, you know, I'm not saying, like I said, some parents are going to do this and the, you know, kids grow up and they do make their own decisions, but for the most part, you're doing everything that you can. And it's pretty, pretty high chances that your kids are going to grow up, um, not influenced by their peers. Okay. Because remember the two things we shared today, number one, because you've instilled the values in their heart by, by teaching them their, by, by putting conviction in their heart, by teaching them the why behind the what as they grow up. And then secondly, by creating a really strong family unit. Okay. So, uh, have a think about that. Uh, like I always say, come into my DM, DMs with questions, uh, if you want to, and thank you. I've had quite a few people lately come into my DMs with the nicest messages. Guys, I actually snapshot those messages, by the way, and pop them into a folder on my phone to keep for encouragement on days like this when it's midnight and I'm a little bit tired um, because it, it just means the world to me. The fact that you come along and that you listen, I appreciate so much. And the fact that it helps you just a little bit or a lot in a lot of cases, I am so grateful and so glad. So I really do love you guys. Thank you for listening. Come back on Wednesday. Um, I can't remember what I'm going to talk about, but it's going to be good guys. I love you so much. I will see you next week. Bye.